0: Embrace the certainty that comes from being armed against adversity. Embrace the wellness company, for in its embrace lies the promise of resilience, the promise of a brighter tomorrow amidst the chaos of today. Don't wait for the next crisis to strike. Visit twc.health/strangeplanet and use promo code Strange Planet for an exclusive ten percent discount. Prepare today and rest easy tomorrow. All right. Adam Barofsky, Paranormal Poland coming down in three, two, and one. Richard Serent's Strange Planet. Following the truth wherever it leads. Exposing evil and corruption and the secret machinations of powerful elites. Revealing the high strangeness beneath the surface of our supposed reality. Coming to you from the great white north and his studio beneath the stairs. Here's Richard. And welcome to another episode of Strange Planet. Good to be with you. All right, on today's episode, we're going to explore paranormal Poland and we've reached out to uh, Warsaw, Poland and uh, Adam Barofsky is a translator, writer, author of an upcoming book called Euthanizers. He'll tell us a little bit about that and uh, we're going to get into some urban legends in Poland, haunted locations, UFOs, missing people and more. Adam Barofsky, welcome. How are you?
1: Hey, Richard. I'm great. Thanks for having me again.
0: My pleasure. Uh, so, when we uh, we talk about haunted locations, can we start with your place? Is that something we can talk about? Or
1: Oh, yeah, sure, we can. There is a lot of, uh, well, I'm, the, I'm in Warsaw, right? Uh, Warsaw suburbs, to be exact. Yeah, there are plenty of places here that are of interest. Uh, for example, there is a town just next to me, basically. There was a very interesting UFO sighting uh, in the 90s uh, that involved a pot possible reptilian Uh, now the witnesses maybe they aren't very credible when you think about it because they were kids uh back then uh you know with mental issues but still they were adults as well and it's a very interesting case and there is even a ufo that apparently turned into a car so it's a fascinating case and um not many people know about it even here uh, locally
0: all right tell me a, a little bit more
1: yeah, sure. sure. The, the, the kids said basically that there was some kind of activity and they said that they would like to communicate with this force because there was some UFO flying around, some kind of activity. And apparently on the, on the glass, there were like um, reptilian paws, reptilian claws, you know, left and imprints. So a really interesting case. And there was also a visitation. Uh, the kids reported the visitation by some kind of entities, which probably could be greys, could have been greys, uh, in suits, right, in the scaphandons. So a really interesting case. And then there was this UFO that turned into a car. So that's fascinating in itself. Now, whether it really happened or not, we, I can't really tell you whether it was the case here, but it's definitely, um, everything points to the fact that it did. And it's a, it's a fascinating case. It's about 25 years old or so.
0: All right. So let's talk about keeping it with Warsaw, your town. Uh, There's a book called Warsaw's Urban Legends, and it was written by uh, Marek Dabrowski. And uh, there's a a story in there. This is one of the top legends I understand in, in all of Poland. It's called the Black Volga. What is a Black Volga?
1: Yeah, the black Volga is a car, as the name suggests, right? Because the, the car and this car, it was driven or by, there, there are various um, uh, expressions here, various uh, thoughts, who, who, was, who was the driver, right? Some say it was a Satan, some say it was just some kind of uh, uh, organ trafficking, perhaps. Uh, so various uh, drivers, various mysterious people behind it. And basically this Volga, this car, Whoever was driving it was kidnapping children uh, to take them to Germany for organ harvesting or to some other places in the West. That was the general idea. So um, and of course it connects with vampires and you know in a way with uh, missing 411. Uh, So it's a fascinating case uh, because of that. But I guess it could reflect the. you know, the times, right, of the communism, uh, which, of course, uh, was paranoia of, um, uh, you know, people disappearing and the general uh, paranoia of the times.
0: Right. Well, because the black Volga was a a Russian-made car, I guess. It was very, or at least it was very popular with the communist elite. They would drive kind of like a Cadillac.
1: Right, exactly. And um, of course, it's no, no secret that um, the organ trafficking, you know, human trafficking, the urban legends associated with that link to that were quite popular at that time, especially, you know, a rich Westerners coming to Poland and needing a new kidney or some sort of organ. And of course, this Black Volga was... Um, Basically responsible for providing them with that, right? So this Black Volga was like a symbol of uh, some kind of mysterious force that was there to um, kidnap people so they could be used for organ harvesting and etc. Right. And uh,
0: when when was this taking place in in, in Warsaw?
1: Well, that was before the fall of Communism, so basically until 1989. Then it's kind of funny because the cars changed, the more modern cars, right? But the Black Volga was basically around until 1989 when the real changes started happening, of course, in Poland and indeed the, the uh, region here in Europe and the Soviet bloc and the surrounding countries. So, um, but this legend is still around, just not the Volga anymore. You're probably going to get a Mercedes, you know, more modern cars now because, of course, we are in a different era. But the idea is the same, that there is this forest this mysterious driver who abducts people, mainly children, uh, for organ harvesting and sometimes even human trafficking, right? So this is the um, the idea behind it.
0: Uh, staying with um, Warsaw, there's a legend about a, a flickering lamppost. And again, this dates back to uh, the communist era. And uh, so tell me about this flickering lamppost in the city.
1: Yeah, apparently this flickering light that this wasn't random, right? This flickering. There was some sort of code, possibly Morse code. It was uh, used by agents. Some say Soviet spies. Uh, some say maybe even American spies. It's a really interesting case. But of course, you know, with flickering lights, uh, you can't really tell whether there is something to it or not because lights can flicker for all sorts of reasons, especially in a communist country uh, where, you know, things aren't exactly operating as they should so um i wouldn't really put that much stock into this particular legend but it's an interesting one nonetheless
0: it it sort of reminds me of um these shortwave radio state um signals that some people have heard where they're just repeating numbers and Number uh, stations right right and the theory is that again it's it's related to espionage and these are spies somewhere you know behind enemy lines if you will and they're sending out uh encrypted messages with just a string of numbers
1: yeah it's possible richard that's a great Great idea right there. And I I think it's highly likely. But again, uh, I've been hearing about these radio stations for a long time. And I can't tell you what they are, because I'm not an expert, you know, in in terms of what they could be, but there is certainly a possibility that some kind of a mysterious force uh, is using these or perhaps is just teasing us right just trying to test our um reactions to it but it's definitely a pattern i did listen to it uh, a few times and there is a pattern behind it so um it's clearly some kind of message what kind of message who's the uh, you know who's behind it we don't know but there is definitely some kind of message perhaps it's some kind of low-tech uh way of communicating you know to avoid the uh, uh digital way of communication who knows
0: so there's this blue skyscraper in uh, in warsaw uh in uh Square I guess and uh, it's it's this huge edifice um and it's um it's got these reflective reflexive glass panels they reflect the blue of the sky so that's why it's called the blue skyscraper obviously correct yeah 1991. how does this relate to this urban legend of the rabbi's curse
1: Right. Well, that's a really interesting story because uh, Warsaw, as some of your listeners may not know, or in Poland before the war, there was a major Jewish presence here before 1939, September 1939. Warsaw's population was one-third Jewish, so uh, 1,300,000 people. So that was a lot uh, but, you know, when you, cons- you take one-third of that. Now, considering this, uh, the synagogue... One of the biggest synagogues in the world was located in Warsaw at the time. And it was destroyed in on 16th of May, May 16th, 1933. 43. Employ- yeah, 43. Sorry, yes, that's correct. And, uh, you know, decades later, uh, this skyscraper was, well, they started building it, but they couldn't really... Completed, They couldn't finish it because there were always some problems. Something was missing, there was someone killed, and so on. And some people speculated that perhaps maybe this rabbi had cursed this plot of land, you know, as a revenge, as a revenge of sorts that, you know, someone would want to desecrate this area that was sacred. And now they're just building this skyscrapers, this skyscraper, this abomination. But it stopped after a while, this curse, it seems. The activity, the paranormal activity around the area and indeed in the building, some say even in the building, there were some kind of strange phenomena like, for example, floating uh, items and so on. But apparently... Now it's uh, pretty calm. It stopped. Some speculate that some say that because of the uh, plaque that was put uh, in front of the building or on the building uh, commemorating the synagogue, that maybe that was the reason why it stopped. But the fact is, for now, it's been uh, now it's uh, relatively calm. Nothing is going on there.
0: Well, sticking with World War II in Warsaw for a moment, there is another uh, legend linked to World War II. And it revolves around an an apparition of a lady clad in a white dress, supposedly haunting the beautiful uh, neoclassical villa uh, in Warsaw on Morski Oko Street. Tell me about it.
1: Yeah. As you know, or some of your listeners again may not know, Warsaw was destroyed in the Second World War. 85% of the city was razed to the ground by the Nazis. And there was a lot of fighting and especially young people were very, very active. And there are many legends, for example, uh, girl scouts were really active at that time as well. And in this case, there was this young girl, maybe she was a scout, maybe not. We don't know that, but she hid in this villa, in this beautiful house. And she was staying there for a while. And she saw this uh, handsome young gentleman and she, uh, uh, well, wanted to uh, get out of the house and see where he was. And that's when she was shot or there was a stray bullet. The point is she died. And this apparition, this ghost, it, Hannah's ghost uh, is now haunting the area. Uh, she's not very aggressive. Apparently, she's just walking around. And I remember this case pretty well because actually that was one of the cases I have covered uh, for the local television here. So um, it's a really interesting case. but. As far as I know, she has never been recorded in any way. There were just, there are just rumors, right? That this is what happened. So this, this villa, this place is definitely, um, it's imbued with his history. There is no doubt about it. And, um, yeah, it's one of these interesting cases that you have many, many in Warsaw because of the tragic history of the city. I always say that if there is a psychic, because sometimes I listen to psychics who say that uh, you know they can sense or see dead people, I cannot imagine, Richard, what they would be seeing here in Warsaw, where you had 200,000 people, civilians killed in terrible ways terrible absolutely terrible ways so yeah this is just one of many stories that you you know i could i could tell you tell you about this 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 case of this girl
0: uh ghost hunting uh
1: programs
0: are very popular in north america on television are they are they also popular in in poland
1: Yes, they are, but I wouldn't say they are as popular as in the US because, obviously, uh, Poland is, um, well, smaller. And Poland is still a Catholic in many ways, right? So um, I think there's a certain – people have a certain – well, they don't like they don't like talking about it that much because some people see it as maybe evil, maybe you know, demonic. So um, yes, it's popular, but let's take Halloween as an example, right? Just to give you an idea of what I mean. Of course, people celebrate it, but there are many people in Poland who tell you who are going to tell you, well, no, it's not our. Uh, we we shouldn't uh, celebrate this. We have our own holidays. We have our own celebrations, uh, and we should not, uh, you know just cater or think about this or uh, just uh, look at to the West, right? That's basically the message here. So I think it's the same with uh, ghost shows. These shows are kind of different uh, because of tragic Polish history mainly, right? You have so many uh, cases here, as I said, with with Warsaw, for example, and you don't really have that in America for obvious reasons. So yes, uh, it's popular, but you need to remember that, many people see this as sort of uh maybe evil maybe demonic because of religious undertones
0: uh, so you had a president in Poland uh prior to the Second World War uh, a long-serving president served from 26 to 39 I won't uh, attempt to pronounce his name um Moschitski <laughs> <Moschitsky>, president <laughs> Moschitsky. Moschitsky. <laughs> yeah. um he uh well tell me about uh, there, there's a, a legend around him that that uh his wife or someone who was haunted by his ghost later in life.
1: Yeah, that's right. He had this uh, beautiful villa on Ratswavitska Street. Again, it's a difficult word to pronounce, I know. And he is uh, rumored to be walking around this, this place still, even today, right? Because he basically was there um, in the second half of the 1930s. And um, then he left uh, for Switzerland. Uh, And for Romania. So there are some rumors that he liked the place so much that he's still there uh, walking around and uh, haunting the place. I don't like the word haunting, though, because haunting seems to be aggressive, but it's basically an apparition that's just walking around and, uh, you know, letting its presence known uh, to curious observers. But again, it's never been recorded. It's just rumors, right? So there are many rumors like this uh, in Warsaw, let alone Poland, because of the uh, tragic history, as I said. And it's just one of uh, many. And by the way, as a historical anecdote here, the Polish uh, the Warsaw mayor, uh, who was, uh, you know, when the Nazis, Nazi Germany invaded, he, his body was never found. Uh, Staszyński, again, a very hard to pronounce, I know. Uh, his body was never found. Right, so he had this famous speech. I wanted Warsaw to be great. Sadly, uh, well, Warsaw was uh, raised to the ground. Right.
0: So, uh, keeping with ghosts, there's another uh, ghost legend uh, with Warsaw, but this time with animals involving horses at a Warsaw racetrack. Tell me about it.
1: Yeah, that's right. There, there is this uh, racetrack in Warsaw, which is quite popular, and some people say that apparently that injured horses or dead horses can sometimes be seen in the area. Now, I'm not sure if this racetrack was around uh, before the Second World War, but if it was, it's possible that some horses were killed uh, during the war and maybe the ghost of horses or some kind of remnants. Because uh, I guess it's debatable whether horses have um, some kind of, you know, consciousness, whatever you want to call it, in that sense, you know, soul. But some kind of remnants can be seen there. Yes, uh, I heard it a few times and um, well, it's, it's a different story, right? Because animals, spirits, that's, that's something else. And if that was the case, then indeed uh, that would mean uh, animals have souls or our souls on some level as well.
0: Adam, we'll take a quick time out. We'll come back and continue to uh, delve into paranormal Poland with writer, translator, author Adam Barofsky. Stay with us. I call it the miracle molecule, carbon 60 or C60, for my good friends at C60Evo.com and I take a tablespoon every morning. It delivers more than 172 times the power of vitamin C. C60 is a known antiviral, antioxidant, antibacterial, anti-inflammatory. It's a remedy that works. C60 Evo users consistently enjoy better sleep and wake up feeling refreshed. This alone is worth the cost of the bottle. I sleep like a baby. I have no aches or pains. Zero. I'm 58 and I don't have a gray hair on my head. Get your miracle in a bottle, C60, from c60evo.com slash richard hyphen c60evo.com slash richard hyphen Use the coupon code EVRS at checkout and save an additional 10%. This statement has not been evaluated by the FDA. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. If you have a medical concern, please contact your healthcare provider it's time to redefine reality, reality. this is richard Saret's strange planet and we are back with translator writer author adam barofsky joining us from warsaw we're talking paranormal poland uh how about for you uh, adam any um any uh, paranormal activity in your life
1: yeah there was some some Interesting cases. Um, Well, there was one particularly interesting case uh, of um, ghost. Apparently there was a ghost or is a ghost at an abandoned uh, police station. And I had a chance to talk to a detective uh, who didn't really believe that, but his friend apparently had seen this, this, supposedly this ghost. So this was interesting to me because, you know, Police officers aren't known for making things up most of the time, so it was very, very different than just some uh, witness or someone like that. I did have an interesting EVP recorded as well uh, about 15 years ago, uh, which was a voice. It was addressing me directly, and there is no way it was, uh, you know, it was um, someone walking around or just some kind of person. No, it was definitely. Uh, some kind of unnatural voice. It was a floating voice. It was a woman's voice. It was like someone floating away. And there is no way that she was anywhere near me at that time. So, cause I, I checked it many times. I went over this, This I'd gone over this scenario many times and really interesting. And it really gave me uh chills, right? Because it was, because um, she was ad- addressing me directly. And that was really, really fascinating to me. I was really skeptical about, you know, EVPs and uh, all this stuff. But then after that, there's definitely something to it. Well, but in what ter- were the yeah.
0: circumstances in, under which you recorded this EVP? Where were you and, and
1: what happened? I was here. There's a huge graveyard, a huge cemetery here, Povonsky. It's, it's in Warsaw. It's a really fascinating place. Uh, there were huge fights happening there, huge battles um, in the Second World War. Uh, like i said with the uh, young polish people fighting nazis uh, nazi germany or um, nazis in general and there was a lot of fighting going on there because of course they were hiding there the young poles were hiding there uh you know so it was uh uh, it's a huge cemetery Uh, i went there around the time of halloween but here in poland we have the All souls, they, you know, more the Slavic tradition. So instead of uh, what's happening in the West, what what people do in the West, like, you know, they uh, trick and treat and so on. Here, it's more, as it's usually the case uh, uh, in Poland, with Poland, uh, it's more solemn. It's more, uh, let's say, you know, this kind of sad, right? Uh, you do remember your, uh, ancestors, yes, but it's more like in terms of, uh, going to the grave and just standing there and, uh, and talking about this person, you know, that had passed away. So it's kind of different. Um, so, so I went to the cemetery know, I had this small mic cause it was, uh, even then with this kind of technology was different, but I had this small mic, uh, on me and I was just, um, I just, uh, let's say, had this suggestion or this made this suggestion, this mental suggestion, that if there's anything there, let it uh, record itself, right? And this voice had imprinted itself, let's put it this way, uh, on my recorder. It wasn't even a digital recorder. It was some kind of, you know, very, very old recorder. And it was, um, well, a really interesting case, no doubt about it. But again, if I played it to someone, Without this context, without being there, it means nothing, right? Because these experiences, you need to be there and experience them yourself, which is why um, I know it's real because I experienced it. I've uh, recorded this and there was definitely intelligence behind it and there is no way it's uh, been said by anyone around me at the time it's like this voice has inserted itself at a specific moment when it knew when to when to do it which is amazing and that's one, that's why i know evps are very much a reality what's behind them i have no idea uh you know it depends on your belief system but this is definitely uh fascinating but in terms of paranormal as in Sinnoh, you know, some people talk about being taken to spaceships and so on—I would never make that claim. Even if something like this happened to me, I would never, you know, say it openly because uh, without evidence, without proof, you know, I'm the kind of person that uh, I don't think it would make any sense, right? I know there are people claiming all sorts of things, but in my opinion, based on my experiences. Uh, if someone really had gone through an experience like that, it's highly unlikely that they would have, uh, you know, talked, talked about it because from a psychological point of view, from a psychological standpoint, um, I just don't think it's logical, but again, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, you know, people that talk about, you know, alien abductions and so on, maybe there is indeed, and maybe it's, maybe it's what happened to them. Right. But when I imagine myself in that scenario, psychological level of psycholo- level of uh, shock mm, i don't think that it's that easy right because it's absolutely um, you know what i'm talking about oh, traumatized you're traumatized yeah, a lot yeah of, exactly and can change,
0: so, can change your entire
1: view of reality and that's too much for some people to be able to process. yeah exactly exactly and i just don't think that uh people that talk about it openly well some could say well yeah because it's their method of coping but i'm more inclined to believe uh you know, there are cases of people who just, uh, shut down. They didn't want to talk about anything of the sort of this kind of stuff. I'm more inclined to believe that people have really powerful experiences involving the paranormal or some kind of, you know, paranormal related. I think it's highly unlikely that they would be talking about it openly. It can happen, but it's, um, highly unlikely in my opinion. So that's why, uh, when you talk about you know the paranormal experiences, what kind of paranormal experiences I, I've I've had? Well, this EVP definitely qualifies this kind of um, supposed ghost that this police officer has mentioned.
0: Well, tell me but, more about that. You, um, what, what what were the circumstances at this police station?
1: And uh, right, can I can I use some more harsh language, Richard? Because there is uh, something you said that. But uh, well, I think I can, right? Sure yeah he's basically he said well the first that this detective said well i don't believe in this bullshit but i have this friend and he's been in the service for 30 years and if he says that's what happened then it happened and it did and then it has and basically uh what the second person said the second officer that he was um he saw some some kind of being some kind of person actually just uh, entered this police station just this person walked upstairs but it was not a physical let's say human being right it was this this uh second police officer could tell this wasn't a physical uh human being like a corporeal uh, mm-hmm. human being so definitely a really interesting case i wanted to talk uh, interview this uh this individual this gentleman uh, sadly there is some complications with cancer and I was never able to. I've never been able to do that. But it's definitely an interesting case because I could tell this first person, this detective, he wasn't just some you know police officer like uh, some low level. He was detectives. they a detective, so they're, they're different level, okay? You, know, you need to be smart, it's a different level of uh, of mind. Um, and he said openly, I don't believe in that, but I can't discount what this uh, what my friend has experienced. And if he says that's what happened, then that's what happened. Mm. End of story, right? So uh, definitely interesting. But um, I, you know, in terms of some really strange paranormal happenings, like some people claim to have experienced, some uh, gone through. Uh, I remember this lady talking about having an alien that has proposed to her and some kind of stuff like that. No, I, I've never uh, experienced something like that. And even if there was something like that in my life, I don't think I would talk about it openly because first I would have no proof so why would I talk about it and second of all what would talking about it give me right so um yeah I that, that's that's how I see it but I'm fascinated by what people talk about sometimes you know you really wonder what which you hear but I think there are so many cases around us that are not necessarily paranormal and they're still fascinating for example Richard we could talk about one place here if you don't mind um just nearby it's also a very interesting place if of course you think that's a good idea yeah Yeah, the place is called Zofiówka It was uh, before the Second World War. It was a hospital for um, Jews with mental problems. Um, Yeah, so then the Second World War, first you had the T4 action. Now, T4 was basically euthanasia uh, by Nazi. Nazi Germany had this program of euthanasia of the so-called undesirables, right? T4. It was called T4. And it was um, done throughout Germany, of course, and uh, in occupied areas. So that's what they did here. And some of the doctors, they actually killed themselves in protest because they knew what was going to happen to their patients. So they said, no, we, we don't like this. And they committed suicide in, in protest. And then you had Lebensborn. Lebensborn was an organization that was responsible for the forced Germanization of polish kids or some polish kids that were deemed to be aryan right aryan characteristics so that there was then then you had after t4 you had this uh, lebensborn program now what's interesting about this place is that there is a very strong paranormal angle there there was even a, a video recorded there some years ago i'm not sure if you remember it was quite famous with this A person in a death doctor death mask like in the middle ages uh, with morse code and it was a pretty viral video uh, on youtube it was actually recorded there in zafiufka in this area so when you enter this this hospital or it's no longer a hospital but but it's still the building is still there there are really strange drawings on the walls so it's the atmosphere is just eerie it's a really strange place and I have no doubt whatsoever that if someone were to conduct or you know record EVPs there, I'm sure you would get a great great results. No doubt whatsoever. Given this place's history, absolutely a crazy history, even for Polish standards. And I'm sure you would get really really interesting results. And um, it's a great place in terms of you know urban exploration and the paranormal but in terms of the history, absolutely tragic, tragic and uh, just shows you the level of depravity that humans are capable of.
0: Uh, I want to talk about Wolf Gregorievich Messing. Uh, Oh, yes. He he was actually, uh, he was a Russian, wasn't he?
1: Uh, He was Polish, he was Russian, he was Jewish, you know, because Poland was controlled, uh, you know, the Russian Empire was, uh, uh, you know, Poland was controlled by Russia for a long time. So at that time, it was part of the Russian Empire. So he was uh, three things, uh, three nationalities at the same time. So Polish, Jewish, and Russian, or Soviet, to be more precise. Yeah, he claimed to have the power to project any kind of image uh, he wanted to uh, you to see. So, for example, there is this story that Stalin told, asked him, okay, you're so great, missing, okay, okay. Here's what I want you to do. You are to enter my villa and if you can do this I'll believe you. And apparently in what other words is, in other words sneak past the guards disguised exactly. proje- projecting
0: another image he could he could he could uh, through what post, he did whatever he could make people believe he was whoever
1: Beria wanted them and to. And the chief of police that was absolutely a monster and they they saw the guards swore they saw Beria. He was the chief of police. So uh Truly an amazing story. Whether Messing really had these powers, well, we don't know, but he was famous. And he basically claimed that... uh, he could, you know, like he was the mentalist, the ultimate mentalist. He uh, could uh, make you believe that, let's see, you we're holding paper and there was actually, a, you know, a lot of money. Uh, so really, a really interesting individual. And um, yeah, so there are many people like that here in Poland with of history. But what's interesting about these people, as I've mentioned, is they are often um, Russian and Jewish at the same time because of history of how it you know works here in Poland, given the history of our history here. Uh so it's sometimes complicated to really tell what kind of nationality was uh, actually what this person was, you know, whether this was Polish or Russian or Jewish or all three or maybe German. You know, there's a lot of um, confusion at times. Yeah, so that's that's another story. And it's well, Met-
0: messing Messing became Stalin's personal wizard, I understand.
1: Yes, and Stalin apparently was uh, afraid of missing. Apparently, Stalin was afraid of missing, which was, uh, well, this was quite a feat if that's if that's true. And apparently, Hitler hated missing because Messing uh, prophesied or predicted that Hitler would be uh, destroyed when he turned east. But of course, you, you know, you could say that was just a savvy political uh, prediction. Uh, so I guess that's possible too. Yeah, and of course, uh, Messing was Jewish. So obviously, you know, I don't need to explain that and tell you that the Nazi ideology, well, that was the problem, right? Uh, so obviously, Messing was uh, avoiding uh, uh, Nazi Germany like the plague for obvious reasons. So, um, yeah, it's a very interesting story. And there's another story we could talk about, Richard uh, Stefan Osovetski, a uh, oh, Polish the gentleman
0: that predicted his own death.
1: That's right. He predicted his own death in the Warsaw Uprising. He was an engineer, and apparently, uh, you know, he was famous before the war. Uh, Sigmund Freud knew about him or f- was friends with him, apparently, Albert Einstein. So he was well known in, in you know before the war. And yes, he was an engineer, so he wasn't just some, you know, person that making things up in the sense that he understood the uh, very basis of how, how the things work. And this gave him credibility, of course. And he yes, he said that his body was never going to be found. And he even specified the date when he was going to get killed, or he was going to be killed. But again, whether that was actually the case, you know, Warsaw Uprising, that was the beginning of the Warsaw Uprising, chaos, uh, Germans burning buildings to the ground. Well, not at that point, but, but close. So, you know, it's not very difficult to predict, yeah, my... You're not gonna find my body. I mean, that, that scenario. Just imagine the Ukraine now, right? Um, it's not exactly a prediction, but uh, he was definitely famous at the time before the war and during the war, and so yeah, it's a really interesting, really interesting person because you know Sigmund Freud and Albert Einstein. I don't think that they would, uh, they wouldn't have been fascinated by this individual, by this, uh, by this man, if there wasn't, hadn't been something to his claims, right?
0: Well, uh, so, yeah, as you say, um, he may have been killed by the Gestapo during the Warsaw Uprising, and that's why, you know,
1: yeah, his, body, his body was never that's, done, but- that's the story, Richard. But again, given the chaos, we don't really know, right? Because there was so much chaos going on that that's the story is that Gestapo got to him. But. Whether that's actually what happened, we just don't know. You know, it's, as I said, 200,000 civilians dead. So you can imagine the level of chaos we're talking about, the mayhem. Uh, So yeah, but the story is that, um, yeah, that he was killed by the Gestapo, yes. What about his psychic
0: abilities? What can you tell us uh, about his uh, clairvoyance?
1: Yeah, he could predict the future. Apparently, he could tell with uh, incredible accuracy, you know, some events from people's lives that, you know, they never shared with anyone, uh, stuff like that. So um, it was definitely interesting uh, for people. But again, some people claimed that, you know, basically he was a clever psychologist. He could uh, um, see things, notice things, kind of like missing, uh, Wolf, Wolf Messing, the previous uh, gentleman we talked about. So... Yeah, it was. Um, again, it's very. It's hard to really tell whether this was genuine, because some would say that it's just a conjuring tricks. Like you know, he was uh, kind of like a psychic that was uh, a pretense psychic that would you know kind of move chairs, you know, or something like that. But you know, it's definitely someone that uh, has a place in history, right? Let's let's put it this way. Well, by the way, just uh, one. Important thing, I guess, uh, that he could have, or he could do, or he claimed to do. He could see objects in sealed containers, and he could travel outside the body. And there was actually one friend that said um, that he could uh, talk about this conversation this friend was having. But again, uh, this is all rumors, right? Just like the, the this, this this part with his body um, not being found, because remember the chaos at that time. I would love to believe this is a real you know, psychic, that he was a real psychic. But again, uh, given how things are and how things were, I'm kind of skeptical, right?
0: Adam Barofsky, translator, writer, and author living in uh, Warsaw, Poland. You have a, you've been working on a new book, a piece of fiction, and it's uh, called Euthanizers. And can you tell us a little bit about it?
1: Yeah, sure, Richard. Thanks for giving me this opportunity. Right. So um, euthanizers are basically individuals that, you know, the concept we know from history and from science fiction in general that want to steal other people's lives, uh, what I call dimensional one percenters. So they see someone who has a better life and they analyze this other, that they're double, so their counterpart in this other universe that they want to live in, they analyze everything about this person, and then they just cross over and they kill this individual in ways that doesn't leave a trace. And then this the body of this individual is thrown back to the or the dimension they came from. But the idea, the overarching idea, because euthanasia is just part of it, is the demiurge, of course. I'm fascinated by the concept of the soul trap, right? That the light that people talk about, that it's this great light, that it's actually a trap. Again, this concept has been around for thousands of years, probably. So I'm fascinated by the demiurge. So actually my novel, is told from the point of view of the demiurge, and the euthanizers are a part of it. What's uh, interesting to me is that people that are familiar with my the novel snippets uh, think it's unique, and that's that's great for info for me. And I'm talking about total strangers. People have no interest in sugarcoating, which is great for me. And there are some uh, funny parts involving um, various nations getting punished. I'm um, deliberately being vague because I think it's an interesting story to read. And I like to play around with identity in general, like people changing identities in terms of who they are, in terms of nationalities, in terms of realities. So this is definitely there. And it's, um, yeah, so this, this overarching theme is, of course, the light and euthanizers are there. And again, the changes I just talked about. And of course, uh, the idea that we, um, I know I don't think you believe in reincarnation, Richard, but for the sake, for argument's sake, that we remember who we were, and then when we incarnate again with the knowledge of who we were, how does that impact us? This other process of socialization, right? Would we go crazy with this kind of new information? How would, how you know, what would happen uh, if this was a different reality? So not just a different body, but a different reality, right? So I like to um, play around with this th- th- these kinds of things. And it's kind of like a mix of horror, comedy, uh, thriller, you know, everything is there. And I'm really pleased with it now because it's uh, much shorter than my original version, but it's way better. And uh, I really think it has potential. And I'm not just saying it because, you know, I've, I've written it. So, you know, that's I'm just uh, stroking my own ego. No, I think it really has potential. And I'm really, really happy because, uh, yeah, uh, with, with, with what I'm, you know, what I've, what I've written, basically.
0: Euthanizers and uh, by Adam Borofsky. You're looking for a publisher and people can find out more information. And I guess read, uh, read some snippets from the book at escaping hazmat demons that's the Facebook page at escaping hazmat demons right
1: Yes, Richard. I guess I, uh, you know, when I look at some of your guests and they have great websites and so on, I need to think about it too, because the, this way, this page is kind of old, but it's better than nothing, I guess. And yes, I'll need a nice website. And, uh, and if someone out there knows the process of publishing, well, for example, you know, what's the best uh, way of doing it, self-publishing or some other method, please contact me. That would be great. Uh, if you have some, insider knowledge that you could share with me that would be great whoever you are out there <laughs> and they can contact you via email
0: adam.borowski that's b-o-r-o-w-s-k-i adam.borowski b-o-r-o-w-s-k-i 1985 at gmail.com and i'll put the uh, the fit the link to the facebook page and your email address in the episode notes
1: Okay adam. Richard that's that's great thanks thanks again for this opportunity it was a nice chat i hope our that your listeners will appreciate that, uh, this different polish perspective <laughs> absolutely adam thanks again thanks richard have a great day or a great evening
0: a new richard sarra's strange planet drops every monday
1: wednesday and friday subscribe at strangeplanetpodcast.com